Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast, the podcast that's all about cops. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. You have tuned in, undoubtedly, to the most informational law enforcement podcast out there today because we'll talk to real cops, some active, some retired, and we'll get the inside story on law enforcement. Once again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. And once again, I'm seated behind the stainless steel titanium microphone inside the Boys in Blue studio here in Mesa, Arizona. Now, we've had a lot of different officers on our podcast. We've had chiefs of police, had sheriffs of counties, lieutenants, detectives, sergeants. But, you know, when you call 911 at 2 in the morning, you know, the chief isn't going to show up. The sheriff is sure not going to show up. Who's going to show up? You know, it's those ground pounders. It's those patrolmen that are out there every day handling the calls. You know, those suspicious people calls, two in the morning, uh, prowler calls, burglary calls, all the things that uh, don't necessarily get all the limelight that maybe having rank would be, like a sheriff or, or uh, a lieutenant. But today we have, as our guest, one of these ground pounders. He goes about the job of patrol and uh, not real flashy and uh, just does his job that he loves. And he's with the Mesa Police Department. He's a good friend of mine, and his name is Harold McDonald. Harold, welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Bill. Appreciate it. Oh, I'll tell you what. We appreciate you. You've been a friend for a while. now. I got to know you because you were part of the honor guard for Mesa Police Department. And that's where my wife was also involved with the honor guard for Mesa Police Department. So do you remember when we first met? Uh, I believe it was in Washington, D.C. Weren't you on one of those uh, police tours? That's right. You You guys were down there on the police honor guard representing Mesa Police Department. And I was doing riding my bicycle on the police unity tour, which was a three-day ride from New Jersey down to Washington, D.C. And I think the first time we met was in Chops Steakhouse and Saloon. <laughs> oh, no, the district house. It was the district house. Was it district house? Okay. It was one yeah, of the it's directly there. across from the Hotel Monaco where I was staying. So, yeah, the district house. Everybody goes there. Uh, after the uh, the candlelight vigil, that, yeah. that's a very popular place to go. Yeah. Well, since then, um, we've been in Washington D.C. several times. Washington D.C. several times together during Police Week because I've done that ride like seven times. And are you going this year? No, I mean, sir. I am not. You're not. I'm on injured reserve right now, so. Oh, okay. I am unavailable okay. for that. Okay. But besides knowing you from the honor guard. Um, we've got to know each other and our wives are good friends and we've become Ubers for each other. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> rides, have. Rides to airports or whatever we needed. And uh, so I've really appreciated your friendship over the years. And also, I want to thank you so much here. Uh, last week, of course, I had a birthday. And for my birthday, I got a, one of those little drones that I had no idea how to fly. 
and you came over and were so patient with me, showed me how to get that thing up in the air. So now I can spy on all my neighbors and everything, and then thanks to you. <laughs> How's that job working for you? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's a lot good, of fun. And so it's working good, and I really appreciate that. But now okay. tell me, Harold, how long have you been a patrolman with the Mesa Police Department? I've been out here just now coming up to the 13th year. 13th year. Wow. Yeah. Glass, Blink your man. eyes. 13 yeah. years. I came out here in 2007. Wow. Now, okay. Now, where are you from originally? I'm from the Chicagoland area. was up in Waukegan, Illinois. It's the very corner, the northeast corner of Illinois. Not the very northeast, but close enough. Chicago. Right next to Lake Michigan. Chicago. Just north yeah. of Chicago. Okay. So, now, what is your background? How did you grow up? Did you have family there? Or Oh, yeah. No, no. I grew up there. That's basically the better part of my life, like 43 years before I came out here. Oh. It's, it's, it's an industrial town. I mean, there are places like you know, what, Johnson Motors, Johns Mansville, uh, Commonwealth Edison, OMC Stern Drive. They built um, Johnson Motors there, the actual motors. Um, there, there, it's a big industrial town, especially at the lakefront. Okay. So now let me ask you this. How did you uh, become attracted to law enforcement? Well, actually, it started out young because back in the day, and this is, I think, just prior to or just the start of the D.A.R.E. program, police officers would come to the schools. And I remember it was probably in first grade, second grade, and we're talking really about mm -hmm. 1969, 1970, is when <clears throat> policemen would come almost yearly to the school and talk to people, you know, talk about the bad stuff and, and try to tell you, you know, don't do drugs, don't smoke, don't drink. And, but it brought in a lot for me because I look, you know, you, you listen to police officers and you look up to the police officers at the time, you know, it was a different time. You know, there was more respect for police officers and I just became enamored with just being, you know, the, the uniform, just the respect, everything of that nature. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's usually the case with most people. You know, they, they, when they're, if and it's been my experience that if you have that right from a young age, it's more of a calling than it is a career, to be honest with you. you now, know, that's, a good, that's a good word, calling, it, absolutely. Because I can't think of doing anything else, even though I've done a lot of everything else, I enjoy this work and always have. I agree 100%. And there are guys that say, well, it was a good paying job and looked like security, so I decided to be a policeman. Well. That's not a calling, and it's, most of the time, those guys don't last that long, or they're mediocre <laughs> police officers, but we don't have very many of those. But I do believe that being a, an officer is a calling for sure. So now, you were in law enforcement back east there, correct? I was. How? I started out there back in 1987. I went to the Chicago Police Academy, which was only three months long. And their training was more towards um, just the basics, just true basics. And anything that you learn, you were going to learn from your FTO, from the department that you were from. Because in that area, you had such a diversity of um, lower income, middle income, and higher income um, suburbs. So you were going to learn everything from your FTO based on the areas that you worked and lived. You know, that's the same way my academy went years ago. 
up in, uh, of course, I'm retired from Pierce County Sheriff's Office, but our academy was the same way. You got the gist of uh, law and justice, and then when you got back to your own department, your FTO broke in on the local uh, aspects of uh, the department. So how long, what, do, so you tested there in, uh, what city was that? That was Waukegan. Waukegan, okay. So Waukegan. you got hired. Were you hired I got hired there? over there, and then I went over to Park City, which was a city next to it, just to the south, and then I stayed there. But at the time, I was making the full $7.95 an hour, and the only issue out there was it, it was just traffic tickets, parking tickets, loud noise complaints, and it just it didn't feel like law enforcement. So I had gotten out of that. My brother had gotten me a job at uh, Baxter. And at that point, I just worked several jobs over the, the course of time. And it wasn't until I got married that I went on a honeymoon out to Phoenix. Now, generally, when people get married and have a honeymoon, they go out in like Florida or Bahamas. But I told my wife, I said, you know, I want to show you an area that I that we've never been to, or she had never been to. I'd been out there in 1982. I was looking at ASU. I wanted to fly jets, and they, they told me I had to join the ROTC. You come out a second lieutenant, and then you could fly. And I wasn't interested in, in doing the ROTC aspect, so I just never followed up on it. Uh -huh. I just uh -huh. did many, many jobs. But So when it came out here for our honeymoon, my wife was enamored with the area. She just fell in love. So over time, we come, yeah, so we came out here once or twice. And then at one time, my sister, who had a um, one of those timeshares in Scottsdale, said, why, well, I, I can't go. Do you want to take it? We're like, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. So when we came out here, and, of course, of the time, you read the newspapers. I always read newspapers. And I was looking in the one ads, and there it was, big and bold. Phoenix is hiring 500 this year. Phoenix is hiring 500 next year. Mesa was hiring. Scottsdale was hiring. And I talked to my wife. I said, listen, if, uh, if I got a job out here in law enforcement, would you want to live out here? And she was like, absolutely. So I had to make a determination of who I wanted to work for. You know, I looked into Phoenix and Phoenix being too big, too quick, hiring that many people. I said, no, that's, there's nothing good about that. Talked to people in Scottsdale. It was a much smaller town, of course, then. And they basically said, you know, to move up, someone would have to retire. So I talked to people in Mesa. And, of course, they were telling me about the movement. And, of course, the air unit, the canines, you know, detectives, and all the separate districts and, or, and all the other departments. And I thought to myself, now, this is the place I want to be. So, of course, Ooh. I... Yeah, boom. So I came down here. I tested. Did everything in the three days. They were really, really nice about that. You know, if you're out of town, they'll take care of everything right there. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, went back home. They said, you just got to come back, go to Banner Health, and if you can pass all of that requirement, we're going to make you an offer. And I passed everything, and they made me an offer, and I accepted. There you are. Yeah. And now, there you go. And your wife also, yep. she's, she's a paralegal, so she would have... Yeah, and then I told her, I said, you, you work anywhere out here. If I can get a job in law enforcement, do I, I didn't care what she did. As long as she was happy. I mean, I, that's how much I love my <laughs> wife. I mean, anything she wanted, I would do that. I know, we laugh, right? But 
seriously, if that's what she wanted, I was good to go. Happy wife, happy life. Harold, you're I, a smart man. I swear man. by that. And I say that quite man. often, but it's true, very true. <laughs> okay, so now what what education do you have so far in college? Well, I, I have up to a bachelor's degree. I got it from Columbia College. I have that in uh, criminal justice. Is that before you moved out here? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That was in, I believe, uh, that was 2001. It was 2001 because what had happened was, unfortunately, and there's a story. So graduated there, went down to Disney World with Christine and my son, uh, Joseph, and September 11th hit. Oh. Wow. And yeah, that was a different type type of day. We've gone to um, Disney World the day after, and it just it was it was just bizarre because here kids didn't understand what was going on. The parents just looked like they were in a daze, and of course the, the Disney people they do what they have to do. Like hi everybody, this is going to be a great day, and you're just like I'm not having it. So we stayed sure, there for yeah. about forty five minutes and just left. So, okay, so you got your degree. Now, did that help you as a police officer? Oh, absolutely. The, the professors that I had, <clears throat> I was very fortunate. Um, one of my professors was Mark Kern. He was the Lake County Sheriff. I helped him in his election there 12 years ago. He is now running for a U.S. State Senator for the state of Illinois. Wow. And then wow. I had uh, another professor who became a judge. Uh, his name is Shippers. And his father was one of the lawyers for the impeachment of, of Clinton. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, so, so you he had, had some good stories about that. You had some experienced uh, professors there. Yeah. So now when you came to Mesa, that was, uh, that was probably a tipping point as well when you applied and you already had that criminal justice background. So when you took that, those courses, was that all with the idea that you were going to be in law enforcement? Well, I'd always wanted to complete my degree because I already had an associate oh, and okay. I just okay. figured I just really wanted to complete that degree. Okay. So, okay. I mean, with, with the forethought of maybe getting back into law enforcement, but nothing was going on at the time because at the time I was working, I was making really great money. Um, I was a, accruing on another retirement. Um, I, I had no real forethought of jumping in immediately. I just wanted to get my degree and have that behind me. So if the time came, I would have that opportunity and have that behind me and utilize that for my uh, application. So because I would be older then. I was, of course, older. You know, once you get past, and in certain areas, like in Illinois, if you're past 35 years old, they will not accept you, but then they brought in a law where it's, okay, we'll accept you after 35 if you have previous law enforcement experience. Uh, so, and I'm still certified in the state of Illinois as a law enforcement officer. So therefore, being already certified, I could jump back in, but it would obviously be harder because at this point, they're not looking for you know, 38, 39, 40-year-old officers. They're looking sure, for 21, 22 sure. for the longevity. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Uh, I know when I started in law enforcement. <laughs> uh, first of all, they they had height requirements back then when I started. Really? Ago. Oh yeah, my gosh! You had to be uh, 
minimum of 5.9, and some places were 5.10. Now, the Washington State Patrol, uh, those guys, they were all giants, I'm telling you. Uh, you had to be six feet tall, unless if you had at least an associate's degree in college, you could be 5'11". <laughs> oh, there you go. So, and you're right. You know what? Um, I think about it all the time. I miss, of course, being on the street and that sort of thing. But, you know, you get out there, you get to a certain age and jump on fences and uh, <laughs> run through uh, neighborhoods and work in night shifts. That's, that's a little harder when you get a little older. So now, when you've been with Mesa 13 years now, and you've been assigned to patrol for the most, the bulk of that. Is that correct? Yeah, all of it, pretty, pretty much all of it, yeah. So you've got, how long were you in the honor guard? Um, I believe this is my 10th year. 10th year, wow. Yeah. So that, that is kind of a side thing. It's not an assignment. Actually, time. I believe this is my 11th year coming in. I believe I went, came in in 2009. How did you get attracted to that, Harold? Actually, I was approached, and I don't recall who it was at the time, but they had said, you know, there's, there's an opening in Honor Guard. And I'd only been on, I believe, two years. And I thought, I didn't realize that you could get into anything unless you had three years on. Because, you know, anytime there was anything posted, it was a minimum of three years. So I mm -hmm. didn't start. And I was told to talk to Liz Trujillo at the time. And I spoke to her. And then she referred me to Lieutenant Brian Solar. And then they told me they're having interviews. Just, you know, come in your Class B. And we sat there, and it was really brief. They just asked me uh, a few questions, how long I've been on. And we did a few movements, you know, left face, right face, about turn. And that was basically it. Okay, and, so. Know, congratulations. Now, Welcome to the Honor Guard. You mentioned Lieutenant Solar. Now, we have yes. a, a podcast previously that he was uh, the guest on the Boys in Blue podcast. Now, he was a sergeant at the time, though, wasn't he? Uh, I believe it was. In fact, I'd worked under him briefly when I was uh, OIT. And I remember that over at Reed Park area in the Red Mountain District. Uh, so he was actually my sergeant for a very brief time. What is your favorite shift? Uh, Graves. <laughs> Why do I know that? Because Graves, Graves yeah. Because Graves <laughs> is, is where the real action is. I mean, there's, you know, there's action throughout the day. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I mean, things happen in the middle of the afternoon. But I mean, Graves to me is where the action is. I mean, when a call comes through, it's pretty legit. Yeah. Okay. So you've been part of the honor guard. So you've had to go to a lot of fallen officers' funerals and that sort of thing. Now, you've been in patrol. Is there any assignment that you would like to have that you see you put in your application in for within the department? Well, actually, it would be a future, yeah, yeah. future endeavor. And that would be drones. I think oh. drones are definitely going to be a good part of law enforcement. And, and I'm not taking away from the air unit at all. You know, the air unit is clearly essential. I just think for some calls, the immediacy of having the opportunity to put a drone in the air, say, for example, because I've been working up in communications, I'm, I'm hearing all calls and watching all calls throughout the city. So a child, three, four years old, is missing 30 minutes, most likely still within the area of his home or sure. within a few blocks. Yeah. Air unit is not available. They, you know, 
of course, you understand when an air unit goes up, you know, that's a lot of money. Plus, they're limited in their time and how long they can be up. So the idea is to utilize them when it's most necessary. So if you can get a drone up, put it up about 150 feet, and just have it orbit slowly in the area, you might be able to locate the child. Same as uh, Alzheimer's or dementia patients where people wander outside the house. Sometimes they wander far. Sometimes they don't wander too far at all. If we were able to put a drone up, uh, and even at night, if we had one with FLIR, which has become a, a commodity now on some of these drones, uh, FLIR forward-looking infrared, I mean, in a neighborhood, you just put it up, like I said, 150, 200 feet, do a small orbit and see if anything's moving, see if there's any heat. It, that's the kind of thing I see the future of law enforcement in, in sure. a drone. Well, I tell you, they've already been using those in other Oh, yeah, parts. and they've been using those in, in the uh, car accidents, which has been great, and it's been, it's been shown to clear accidents faster, get, get our guys off the road faster, so there's no more incidents. But they can also do a great job to, if you go up about 50 feet and take a good picture of a, of a, a collision, you can really get an idea of what happened, especially watching skid marks. Uh, debris, everything of that nature, you'd be able to utilize that in a fashion where it's quicker, easier, and more efficient. Sure. Well, I'm thinking specifically of, say, a disturbance call. I mean, how many times, I know I've been faced with this, how many times you get a call that doesn't sound like anything, and you show up and there's 200 people there, <laughs> <laughs> drunk and raising hell. So yeah. a drone would go... You could shoot a drone up there, get size up the situation, and know what kind of manpower you needed. Uh, I know the fire department's using those big time. They can assess a fire to what do we need? Do we need an engine, ladder, uh, I mean, trucks, Absolutely. Whatever. And, they, and yeah. they're the ones that also have floor. They could determine where the hot spots are. Ah, well, that's forward thinking, Harold. You are really forward thinking. Now, so you never had a, uh, have you ever had a desire to maybe go into traffic or narcotics? Or no, just the air unit. Just the air, air unit. Oh, okay, I so love you, the air unit. You'd like to be on the helicopter then, huh? Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, um, I did have the privilege of riding in the air unit one time. My goodness. That is an experience. So you now would have the doors to, off or the doors on? You know, they were off. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. It was in the daytime, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Over the Salt River and all those oh, yeah. horses, yeah. So, But now, um, would you need a license, or are you thinking the navigator? Um, just navigate, just to be navigate. up in the air. Okay. Just okay. to be up in the air. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask... Bad guys, but I mean, just being up in the air, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. Sure. So, let me ask you now, because you've been in patrol for all these years... Uh, what would you say is, can you think of a memorable call that you're on that just kind of always stuck in your mind? Maybe it was a dangerous call. Maybe it was a humorous call. There, God, there's so many calls. They just flash <laughs> in your head. You know, it, it, I, I couldn't determine one right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, seriously, I wish I could because there's just, you find humor in some calls and in uh -huh. some calls there is no humor. Sure. Just. You know, it's in some some of them you don't realize that you know it was last week. You think it was last month or or it was ten years ago. I mean, there's there's yeah. a memorable call. Um, yeah. Right off the top of my head, um, a, a pursuit. 
Um, oh yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With you probably you probably had a few of those, huh? Oh uh, well, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's okay. one of those things that you just don't want to. Okay. You, know, you, you see some of the good of it and some of the bad of it. And sometimes you think about it, you're like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know way the way I look at it, you know, the bad part, yeah, there's a bad part, but the same, the good news is you were there to protect and serve, and that's the main thing. But now here you are currently. You were on light duty working up in communications because for the second time now since you've been with Mesa, <laughs> you've been chasing suspects and catching them and then during the process of taking them into custody you've torn your rotator cuff shoulder so well, tell me about this latest well incident. the second time actually i was tackled by a bush okay <laughs> so <laughs> so basically here's a call and this had been happening for the last two weeks and i'd only realized it was happening up until the last week there was these two individuals that lived in a certain neighborhood. And what had happened was they would get drunk and they would throw rocks, I mean, river rocks, and, and, and sometimes boulders through windows of people's homes. And, and various windows, bedroom windows, Arcadia glass doors. Um, and then at the same time, they would walk down the street and smash windshields. So this was going on. I, at the end of my shift, which, you know, being graves, five, six in the morning, people wake up, hey, my windshield's broke hey, there's a window broke, or at night, around 2 or 3 in the morning, hey, somebody just threw a river rock through my child's window. Someone threw a river rock also at my car. And what had happened was that night, we would gotten a call that um, a river rock went through some child's window, and it's in that certain neighborhood. We're like, okay, we got to hang here. And then all of a sudden, a couple more calls were coming in. Someone broke my windshield. Someone threw a rock at my house, but it didn't go through the window. It hit the house, and then I came outside. So we had several units in the area, and we were just taking our report. We're waiting. Well, this lady calls and says, um, my two children are missing. Now, this lady was um, Spanish, Spain Spanish, no English, uh, beautiful house. So we go to her house, and I have somebody interpret. And I and they said, you know, my two sons are missing. Um, I don't know where that. So we told her nice and said, listen, we're really busy right now. Call us when they come home. So as we exit the house, we look in the middle of the street, and there's a bottle of vodka. It's a flavored vodka, and it's smashed. So we're like, I think we got our guys. At least we know or have a possibility these are going to be our guys. Anyways, we return to our scenes, and you know, we're getting the CSS and everything. And then a call kicks out about two blocks away. There's two guys fighting, and they sound intoxicated. The, the neighbor who's listening can hear them. They're throwing racial slurs. They're, they're, like, pushing each other around, and we're like, that's them. They're probably trying to come home, and they probably saw us and whatever. Anyways, we go over there, and sure as heck, they run. They split. Uh, my partner, Officer Warren, he goes and grabs one. I'm going after the other one. He's ready to bounce over a wall, and I'm going between two bushes, and I swear that bush just tackled me. It was the weirdest <laughs> feeling because it, as I'm, I'm flying through, it felt as if it was just grabbing me, stopped me, and, of course, my, my momentum went from straight up to straight down, and then that's 
when that injured my shoulder. So, wow. they so ended up catching is... the kids and charging them, but nonetheless, there went my shoulder. Here you are. It actually and... broke and then ripped all the uh, the rotator cuff. And then, and when they went in for surgery, they found out that the uh, bicep was disconnected. So, there you are. So, how yeah. long before you go back to the street now? Um, looking probably early May. Okay, so you're working communications now, which is uh, dispatch and that sort of thing, but you're not dispatching, you're taking... No, not at all. Okay. Just okay. assisting in calls, and there's a lot of calls up there um, that they'll ask dispatchers that uh, they need assistance, just like a quick question, like, you know, is it legal to shoot your BB gun in the backyard? Because sure, they don't know sure. either, and they don't want to say yeah. yes or no. And some people just want to talk to an officer, and, and they have questions, um, you know, personal questions, or, you know, Questions referring to like an order of protection or what they should do in a certain situation or should I report this as a crime or should I just talk to the neighbor? You know, things of that nature. Some people sure. just want somebody to talk to. Okay, so now I know from being assigned to different things when I was an officer, sometimes I didn't really like the assignment I had. Uh, it was temporary, but I learned so much. Now, what kind of additional perspective have you had on law enforcement from having to see the other side from maybe communication and dispatcher's point of view? Well, the dispatcher, when people call, they're panicked and they'll, they'll say things. But then when you get to the call and you read the notes, they'll say, oh, no, no, I didn't say that. Or, oh, no, 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 that, that, that didn't happen. Like, you know, my husband just slapped me. My husband just punched me. Huh? And then when you get there, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. He never punched me. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. So, uh, I see. And so when there's OITs up there, I try to tell them, look, it, you're going to get these calls, and you're going to read the notes. And when you read the notes, you're ready to go in there. You know, hey, you just punched your wife, and then she's going to say, no, no. And then be behind them, like, nope, he never touched me. And you won't see no marks or anything, but, you know, be prepared for that. Just read the notes. Yeah. You prepare yeah. to go in, you know, officer safety all the way. But then, you know, when they start saying, no, no, I didn't, then, well, those are the notes on my call. How come, who said that? <laughs> you know, so be prepared for that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, Harold, um, in retrospect, I mean, your 13 years is, and plus your time in Chicago, in retrospect, what would have you done different in your career to this point? You know, um, I can't think of anything I wouldn't, what it would have done different. Um, I've enjoyed my life. I, I say that a lot. I've been Ooh. fortunate in the things that I've done throughout my life. Uh, I tell people it's like forks in a road. It's like, what brought me to Arizona? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you go backwards and you realize where you started and where you've come. Um, I've been very fortunate in my life. I, I admit that. The things I've done, the people I've met, the places I've been, I've been uh. in more places and I realize sometimes. Um, and it just, it's been a good life for me. I've, I've enjoyed it. I, I would wish my life on a lot of people other than injuries, of course, but I mean, you know, I, I got a happy, happy wife, you know, I got some <laughs> nice little fur babies, you know, my, and, um, like I said, the places I've been, the things I've done, the experiences I've been through, sure, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I, it's, it's been a good life and I've got nothing to complain about. Boy, that I, is said, good. I wish some people had the same life as me. I've enjoyed it. That is so good to hear. You know, uh, a lot of times uh, you hear officers, oh, they complain or something. They had some, a bad week or whatever. But you think, 
well, how would you like to be sitting in a cubicle somewhere all day? You know, exactly. And I think about that. I'm, I'm thankful yeah. that I never had to have a job like that. Yeah. Or I never chose a job like that. How'd you like to drive a city bus, you know, for, you know, <laughs> you know what driving, I love driving. I, you know, I've been a driver pretty much all my life. And even in this job, you drive a lot. So yeah, right. I do love driving. I've driven to Florida to Chicago several times. Well, you uh, know, Tennessee from Chicago, everywhere. Driving doesn't bother me. I like it. I think in fact, I've something... also said that I told people I, if I retire, I might just drive the uh, light rail. You know what? You could do that. So speaking yeah. of that, um, how long do you think you'll remain as a police officer before you retire? Oh, I'm I'm going to go for drop. <laughs> okay, when will that happen? Uh, probably about five years from now. About five midway years. Okay. five years. Yeah, I bought some time back. So okay. I'm, so one of the, one of the things I like to ask guys is, okay, you're going to drop in five years. Do you have kind of a vision or how that will look? What you will do then? You know, I, it's 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 fluid. What I think uh -huh. of today, sometimes something else pops in. Sure, sure. You know, sometimes I think I would love to teach, but then I think to myself, you know, you, you hear teachers and blah blah blah, and, and nobody really cares anymore. And it's just <laughs> then then you think of something else, like okay, maybe I'll, I'll fly. But then of course, the age requirements now it, it's getting closer and closer, and, and you know. Nobody wants to hire, you know, like a 60-year-old pilot. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's a fluid situation, but I'm sure I'll find something that'll, that'll definitely keep me occupied, I hope. Well, you, you know, that's a good way of looking at it, uh, you know, because it is fluid. But the good news is you're contemplating things, and I think that's the most important thing. Some guys retire, they have no clue, they haven't really given it much thought other than, gee, I won't have to go to work. Now, let me ask you one no. more question. Sure. Okay, you got a rookie cop. He's just been hired. He's been on six months. What kind of words of wisdom or advice would you give them? Uh, well, work work on your speaking abilities. Now, uh, if I were to, if I were an FTL, I don't want to be an FTL. But if I were an FTL, the first thing I would take my guy out for is for every four eighteen, four nineteen, every. Disturbance. I want them to talk to people. I want them to be comfortable talking to people. I don't want them to look like they're scripted or that they're just on the fly trying to figure out exactly what's going on. I would take them for at least one to two weeks to every disturbance, you know, talk to the neighbor, find out what's going on. Go back to the other neighbor, find out what's going on and, and get them comfortable talking to people. This way that gives them the opportunity to better themselves as an officer, but it also helps them in some calls. Rather, like I said, that if, if some people, as we know, they realize that this officer is new. I mean, they know they're new, but I mean, if they talk and act as if new, they're going to play them. Whereas if they sound confident in what they're doing, even if they're young looking and they're confident, these people will have a better respect for them, I think, and, and probably get a better response. You know, that, that, is, me thinking. that is great advice, Harold, because I mean, like you say, there's so many, uh, if they go in with the uh, dictator type, you'll do this, you'll do that, instead of talking to people. And I think most of it is communication. That is so important. That'd be good advice. That'd be wonderful advice. Well, I tell you what, Harold, you've been a wonderful guest, and we get some insight. Uh, 
I see so many more things that we could talk about. So what I normally do is see if I can get my guest, especially the interesting ones that have war stories they haven't even begun to tell me, <laughs> that if they would commit to a part two at another time, perhaps. Would you be willing Absolutely. to commit it? Oh, good, good. Absolutely. Well, well, listen, Harold, I've enjoyed having you on the podcast. I've enjoyed having you as a good friend. And I know we'll have Thank plenty you. of other um, times to visit and that. But listen, in the meantime, get well. And um, I will. You know, Thank you. You're not a spring chicken anymore. So let the rookie, no, I know chase, that. The, I let the rookie yeah. chase the guy. And you just. Yeah, I know. You can, you, I can know. you can talk to him when you catch him. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, Harold, listen. God bless you real good, my friend. I'll be in touch with you. All righty. Thank you. And, and good luck with this podcast. You're doing a, a heck of a service, I think, and it's going to be well received. Well, thank you, Harold. God bless you, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, sir. Take care of yourself. Thank you for listening to the Boys in Blue podcast. Again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. Boys in Blue comes out every other week. Subscribe to the Boys in Blue wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and let us know what you think.